We look forward to Jackson's second lesson tonight. We know what we're in for because of that great lesson he preached for us last Sunday evening. So we are really looking forward to a, another one like unto that one. Appreciate his obvious study and preparation and the expression of it in that, that great lesson. If every Bible student was requested to make a list of the ten most intriguing individuals in the Old Testament, most likely every list would include David. We first meet David in 1 Samuel chapter 16 where Samuel had gone by God's directions to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons as king. Starting with Eliab, he went through the list. When he laid eyes on Eliab, he said to himself, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. God said, You're looking on the wrong thing. You're looking on his physical height, his countenance. That's not the way I view a man. And so Eliab and all the others were rejected. Do you not have any more sons left? I've got one, but he's out keeping the sheep. Bring him here. When he looked at David, God said, this is the one. He was anointed as the one who would take Saul's place. 1 Samuel 17, we see him going against mighty Goliath with a sling and a handful of stones. The battle ensues with his beheading Goliath with his own sword. And then in 1 Samuel 18, verses 5 through 9, where Saul calls for David, places him over the men of war. And as David goes in and out, prudently, valiantly, coming home to the sounds of Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Saul was struck by envy. And that envy and jealousy of David followed him to his tragic death. David's reign as Israel's second king is set forth in the entirety of the book of 2 Samuel. His first major mistake, multiplying wives and concubines. That multiplication of wives and concubines dealt a fatal blow to his sexual being. When we transgress God's law, one man, one woman for life, we're tampering with one of the most complex aspects of a man's being. And David dealt a mighty blow to that aspect of his being. And he laid the foundation for his second major mistake his adultery with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah. His life was never to be the same. 
His home was a disaster area. Though David had a number of great traits, he had some fatal areas of wrong. He was a man after God's own heart in regard to those good traits. But when he multiplied wives and concubines and he committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah, he was not acting and he was not a man after God's own heart. The story of David's life would not be complete without understanding the role that Ahithophel played therein. There are two Interesting side notes about this unusual man. He was the father of Elam, and Elam was one of the top 30 soldiers in David's army, 2 Samuel 23. Relative to physical prowess, these men were unexcelled. They were the best of the best of the best. If you could go throughout the armed forces of America or the world and pick out the most valiant, the most physically endowed relative to strength and prowess, if you could go throughout the elite forces of America and pick out the best of the best of the best, they could not compare to these top 30 soldiers in David's army. And in particular, to those top three. Perhaps in all of human history, there has never been 30 men to top these 30, and especially three men to top the top three in David's top 30. For instance, the first one listed is Adino. A-D-I-N-O. That man killed 800 men by himself in battle. Now the chronicle account says it was 300, but the text in 2 Samuel is probably the right one because the fourth man was Abishai and he killed 300 himself, but he was not numbered among this top three of this top 30. 800 men he slew with a sword, perhaps a spear, by himself in battle. The second one was Eliezer. He fought the Philistines in a battle so long and so valiantly that when the battle was over, the muscles in his hand would not turn loose of the sword. And then Abishai, one of the 30, David's nephew, killed 300 men himself in a battle. Eliam the father of Ahithophel was one of these top 30 men. He was a member of this elite, of the elite group of fighting men. And then secondly, Ahithophel was also the grandfather of Bathsheba. 
whom David stole from Uriah and then murdered him through the hands of another. And that truth about Ahithophel may have played a role in his later conduct. Absalom was David's third son. Amnon was David's firstborn and Absalom's half-brother. Amnon raped Tamar, Absalom's sister. Two years later, Absalom had Amnon killed for raping his sister. And then he fled to Geshur in Syria, and he lived there for three years. Through Joab's intervention, he was later reconciled to his father, David. Sometime later, Absalom started laying the groundwork for his rebellion against his father and his usurpation of the throne of Israel. By use of flattery, he began to steal the hearts of the men of Israel one by one. When everything was in place in 2 Samuel 15, 10, he said, having sent spies throughout the tribes, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, you are to say, Absalom reigns over Israel. David, his family, and his servants fled from Jerusalem. They were joined by 600. This again gives insight. David had his serious problems. But he was so unique a man that he had 600 soldiers. These were Philistine soldiers who pledged their loyalty to David in life or death. They were ready at a moment's notice to die for this man. His uniqueness as a man, as leadership abilities and the traits that must be compiled in a man in order to have such an effect of a nation that was normally enemies and at war with Israel. David left 10 of his concubines in Jerusalem to care for the palace. As David and his company trudged up and over the Mount of Olives, David's head was covered. He was barefooted. And he and his company wept every step of the way. Picture that in your mind. David's own son, after his throne, after his scepter, after his life, and this father of this sad tragedy of a son, no shoes, followed by his household and these 600 soldiers, leaves Jerusalem weeping every step of the way. In connection with this sad and tragic scene, let us note the following four truths. Ahithophel's wisdom. Ahithophel was David's most trusted and competent counselor. Of all of David's counselors, he was the wisest of the wise. He was so wise. When you're in trouble, you need a man with wisdom like this that at this point in time is associated with divine wisdom. In 2 Samuel 16, 23, his wisdom is likened unto one who consulted with God himself. Likened unto one who sat in the counsel of God and heard from the mind of God and shared in the wisdom of God. 
We're living in troublesome times. We need all the wisdom we can get. We need wisdom in our federal, state, and local leaders. We see little of that in the political realm from top to bottom of America. Oh, how these men and women need wisdom from on high. We need wisdom in the business world. We need wisdom in the home. You young families and you young parents with all of these children, you fathers and mothers, you need all the wisdom in these troublesome times in which we live to lead your children aright. Don't let a day go by that you don't beg God for wisdom and then go to the source of it. We need wisdom in the church, elders, preachers, Bible class teachers, full of divine wisdom in these troublesome times in the world, in this country, in the church, in the business world, in politics, in our homes. And we need wisdom in our individual lives. Wisdom is a gift from God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men cheerfully and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. James 1, 5. Wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge from God applied to life. There could be no true knowledge or wisdom apart from God and his word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9, 10. Apart from the fear of God, there can be no true knowledge or wisdom. How much fear of God do we see in the world today, the country today, the church today? In Romans chapter 2, having described the Gentiles' sinful condition in chapter 1, 18 to 32, he then addresses his Jewish family. He gets to verse 9 and he addresses both. And then, having said, there is no righteousness to be found among them, no, not one. And he starts talking about the nature of the sins of which they were guilty. He gets to verse 18 and says, there is no fear of God before their eyes where there is no fear of God. There is no true knowledge and true wisdom. And is there anything we need more than true knowledge or true wisdom? One can possess wisdom from God and then not use it or cease to use it or use it improperly. And Ahithophel and Solomon illustrate this principle. Ahithophel's wisdom. Ahithophel's betrayal. In 2 Samuel 15, 12, when Absalom had everything in place, he sent for Ahithophel, his father's counselor and friend, to join his rebellion. And Ahithophel came running. It is possible that Psalm 55 is a portrait of this tragic experience in David's life. He describes this experience and the pain, fear, horror, and trembling that it laid hold on his heart. 
He depicts them as terrors of death in verse 4. He wishes he had wings like a dove so he could fly away in the wilderness and be at rest. Verse 6. And then in verses 12 to 14, he states what could really be his feelings about Ahithophel. He basically says, if an enemy had done this to me, I could bear that. I could deal with that. But this man was my friend. We walked together in love and harmony. He was my dear friend. In his greatest hour of need, Ahithophel betrayed his friend. Absalom, David's own son, was seeking his scepter and his life. When Absalom called for Ahithophel, he willingly joined the rebellion. When David received the news of Ahithophel's betrayal, he said in 2 Samuel 15, 31, Oh, Lord, I pray, turn Ahithophel's wisdom into foolishness. He knew without divine intervention, he was in serious trouble. When does a man need his friends the most? Paul said, at my first answer, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. I pray God, it may not be laid to their charge. 2 Timothy 4, 16. And in Mark 14, 50, in his greatest hour of need, all his disciples forsook him and fled. Speaking of Jesus, what kind of a friend are you to those you call a friend. What kind of friends do you think you have? It takes the storms of life to find out who our friends really are. There are few things sadder than to come to a mighty storm where the winds are blowing with hurricane-like force, where the rain is pelting, where material things are being ripped about and tossed to and fro. And look for your good friends you thought you had, only to find they have departed. Ahithophel's advice. What is your advice? Absalom said. What should I do? What should be my first step in securing my position on the throne of Israel? 2 Samuel 16, 20, Ahithophel said, you place a tent on the top of the palace, your father's home. And then you take those ten concubines and you take them one by one in that tent and you commit adultery with your father's concubines. That way, in the sight of all of Israel, right out there in public view, Israel will know that you are not playing games about this matter. 
you're serious. You want the throne, and you'll do anything to get it. Of whom is Ahithophel speaking? He's speaking of the man who perhaps was his best friend once. Now he desires not his friendship, but his blood. When Hushai, David's faithful friend, according to David's admonition, had gone back to join forces with Absalom. And these two wise men before him, David turned to Ahithophel and said, Now what should I do? He said, You give me 12,000 men, and I'll go and catch your father while he's weak and weary, while he's alone, and I will kill him. Bring the people back to you. When Absalom heard that advice from one, one who was once David's as close a friend as he had, perhaps saved Jonathan, certainly his wisest, his counselor, a dear one to his bosom. When he heard this man say, I'm going to kill your daddy. And I'm going to bring the rest of them back to you. It pleased him well. What a tragedy of a man Absalom was. He turned to Hushai. What's your advice? Hushai said, David, you know, or Absalom, you know your father. He's a valiant, strong man. He, when he here learns what you have done or on the way, he will make preparations. You will not catch him off guard. You wait. Gather all of Israel together that will follow you. And you make preparation and then you lead the battle yourself. And Absalom said, in answer to David's prayer, turn Ahithophel's wisdom into foolishness. Absalom said, Hushai's advice is the best. What should be our attitude toward offering advice? Especially as it relates to serious aspects of life. We ought to approach circumstances like this with fear and trembling. Advice is involvement in another person's life. And in these serious circumstances of life where huge matters are at stake, we ought to Beg God prior to offering such advice to aid us. Oh, there have been many, many times, many times in my 55 years of preaching when I have with fear and trembling been called upon to enter someone's life with advice. 
It is not unusual to get a call from someone on the phone asking for advice. And in the course of their asking, I beg God to help me. And I utter the sentiments of the lesson we studied together years ago, Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. You remember that story of Jehoshaphat? He's facing the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites. And he prays this marvelous prayer. And in verse 12, he utters these three monumental sentiments. Oh, Lord, we don't have the strength to deal with this matter. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon thee. And more times than I can count, I have commenced my prayer to God by uttering those sentiments. Oh God, I, I don't know what to say about this situation. I don't have any strength to deal with this on my own. But I, I'm resting on thee. I need help. I need wisdom that comes only from thee and from thy wonderful word. Help me to say the right thing. What awful advice Ahithophel gave. And God turned it into foolishness. Number four, Ahithophel's death. Absalom rejected Ahithophel's counsel, God's providence at work. Hushai, David's real friend, his counsel was wise. And he accepted that. When Ahithophel heard this statement from Absalom, he went home. He put his household in order. And he hanged himself. He knew it was all over. He knew where this was going. He enjoyed power, position, fame, and fortune. He ends his life at the end of a rope by his own hand. As we ponder this human tragedy, what a tragedy it was. The words of 1 Corinthians 10, 12 should lay upon our heart. Let him that thinketh he stand. Take heed lest he fall. If you're present and never obeyed the gospel, we encourage you by faith to repent of your sins, confess Christ, be baptized into Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you need the prayers of this good church for any reason, we want to pray with and for you while we stand together and sing.
malice and in strife, where darkness fails and mars the righteous life. Choose now to make the living sacrifice. Far better thus, for we belong to Christ. Where livest thou, there is a place to stay. Tis in the Christ, the true and living way. Within his King, the labor of you may. Hear what he says, in loyal trust, obey. Thank you very much, Mr. Frank, for that uh, lesson. Let's uh, all be back here, if we can, at 5 o'clock for our training class, and 5.30 we have our memorization class, and of course, uh, 6 o'clock is our next period of worship to our Father in Heaven. Let's sing one last song before we uh, dismiss, number 610, number 610, for Christ and the Church. Christ and the church, let our voices ring, let us honor the name of our own blessed King. Let us work with a will in the strength of youth and joyfully stand in the kingdom of truth. For Christ, our dear Redeemer, for Christ, the crucified, for the church, his blood has purchased, the church is holy bright. For Christ and the church, let us cast aside by the conquering grace chains of self-fear and pride. May our lives be enriched by a same soul trend. Then happy the call to the Savior's right hand. For Christ, our dear Redeemer, for Christ, the crucified, for the church, his blood has purchased, the church, his holy
pray that all the way down to the chapel in our side. We pray, Father, that you continue to bless us. Bring us back to the next point in time. Keep us in our care. We have a will. Just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.